Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Keeping Up With The Windsors. My name is Michelle. And I'm Rachel. And today we're going to be talking about the queue. We went to see Her Majesty lying in state at Westminster Hall. And then we're also going to be talking about the funeral from start to finish. So Royal Community, welcome to this week's episode. I'm going to not put any music in this one. I'm literally just going to be a podcast where we go start to finish with just talking. It just feels weird to be like really happy (laughs) music wise. Yeah, the fanfare. (laughs) Yeah. So for this episode only, it's going to just be us having a chat and uh, right you're not feeling very well I got caught out by the queue Shell. <laughs> you did we'll talk about the queue in a second but let's just put, put this out there the amount of love and messages Rachel and I have received has been astronomical it's blown our minds how much the royal community has all come together, not only to support Rachel and I, you know Rachel's dad passed away as well, but to support each other. It's been absolutely amazing, hasn't it, Rach? It's been incredible. I mean, when we was queuing, which we'll talk about in a minute, in the queue, <laughs> the queue. it's become quite a big thing, hasn't it? The queue. The amount of messages that we were getting, we were posting stories on Instagram at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock, four o'clock. People were like, you can do this, ladies. Come on, you can, you know, we're, yeah. we're here for you. You can do this. It's just been an outpouring of love. And honestly, every single message, we've read every single one. And hopefully we would have caught up with you all. But thank you from the bottom of our hearts for you just thinking of us because we've been thinking of all of you. We might not get to speak to all of you, but, you know, we've all gone through this collective grief together and you know it's all culminated in the funeral for her majesty and the life that she led and yeah I think we're going to talk about the queue in detail a bit aren't we yeah and just before we move on to that we're recording this on the 22nd of September so it's Thursday obviously the funeral happened on was it Saturday or Sunday my brain Monday Monday. Monday. it was Monday and I am still feeling really fragile let's put it that way it feels weird for like the world to go back to normal and now we've got king charles and i think again we as a royal community are really gonna have to rally around each other and allow ourselves to just start allowing that to seep into our consciousness and accept that because it is hard it is very hard i think as we go along like i said when Her Majesty passed away, I said, we want to have the next couple of podcasts where we just talk about Her Majesty. And then we will transition into talking about King Charles and like how he's going to become the king that he will become as we go along. But today is like the final full stop in that. And it just feels really sad. I mean, you'll ne- we'll never have anyone like her again, will we, in our lifetime? Ever. There'll never be. She'll be spoken about in a thousand years' time. Yeah, she will. Do you know the one thought for me throughout the whole of this is how lucky are we to have been born under her reign? And I think, is this how when Queen Victoria died, people felt about her that way? But then you also have to think there wasn't press, there wasn't social media. There's probably so many more people who know the Queen than knew Queen Victoria who had kind of like a a connection emotionally to her so have you felt that ripple throughout the world Rach? Yeah and I think it's interesting as well because I noticed here in the UK on Netflix the crown is like number two trending at the moment and it's because people want to know about her life yeah not necessarily you might have heard about the queen before but you don't necessarily know what she has done within her reign what events that she's been a part of what history that she's seen and I think that's why a lot of people are going back to it now 
because and I know people there's um, one of my friends her husband he's never really been into the royal family but they actually went to the lion in state as well and then afterwards he was like I'm gonna start watching the crown oh wow and, and then she said he's already like five episodes in he's like right when we when I come home tonight we have to watch the next episode he's becoming part of the royal community <laughs> he is we need him to get to listen to the podcast <laughs> oh I love it I love it and actually on that point BBC are playing Paddington at the moment they've got it on oh. the BBC iPlayer so you can tell it is that big massive ripple effect and I think people are wanting to still be part of her legacy you know yeah. it does live on and it lives on in all these little things that may being inconsequential on their own but when they add all together it makes you feel that feeling of support and love and I had a comment from somebody on YouTube that said she was the world's grandmother and I was like yeah she yeah, was and she we're was. all missing that feeling yeah and you saying about Paddington um breaks my heart to think of it but before they played the film they played the clip of the Queen and Paddington You're together no way I did know, they I know oh, I, was, I, I, was too I was too fragile for that at that point I was like no I can't be doing this right after the funeral I just can't because oh. we said at the time during the Jubilee that Paddington and the Queen's connection and that little skit was probably one of our favorite things we've ever seen her do and it yeah. came right at the end of her reign like that's how amazing she was even when she was 96 she was still knocking him out of the park still creating history <laughs> still creating history okay so let's talk about the queue Royal community, I'm sure you know about the queue, but what we'll do is we will talk you through what the queue actually is. <laughs> we had lots of different questions, didn't we, Rach, about it the queue so over funny. on Instagram? Well, because as well, the queue was trending, wasn't it, on Twitter? Yeah. But there were people who were like, what, why is the queue like a big deal? Like, what <laughs> is the deal. queue? But some people didn't know one what the queue was, why <laughs> people were in the queue. And then it was, why are British people good at queuing? Like, I've had that question on Instagram. Like, what is it with British people and queuing? Why is it like this big thing? And we're like, oh, it's just what we're good at. We're good at being patient and standing in line and just waiting. You know, we love order. We love knowing, right, okay, you're next, I'm after you, and then there's somebody else after me. So let's talk about it then. So the Queen is lying in state, which basically means her coffin stays in Westminster Hall. She is now taken over by the state as such. The f- royal family have had their lovely private moment with her in Buckingham Palace. They move her from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Hall. Now, I'd never been in this place before. And I honestly, royal community, I'm going to admit something to you. I never knew it existed. <laughs> I, know yeah. very, I never knew. I've been to Westminster Abbey. I didn't know this existed. So when it was like, oh, there's Westminster Hall. But then when I actually went to Westminster Hall, I realised why I didn't know it existed because it does actually just nestle behind Westminster Abbey and the Houses of Parliament. So she's lying in state for four days. I think it was like four and a half days, wasn't it? Wednesday Mm -hmm. to the early morning of Monday. And what happens is you are allowed as a subject of Her Majesty or anyone around the world who wants to pay their respects, you could queue up on the Wednesday and start paying your respects, give a bow, a curtsy, just walk past, be in the ambience of what it's like to be in Her Majesty's presence with her coffin and the the state instruments. It's all there. So it starts off and the queue starts on Wednesday at four hours and we're like, right, okay. Then we get wind that the queue has a pathway of about five kilometres. So it can get to about five kilometres, which I think was about six hours My friends, mum and dad went and they waited six hours and that was Thursday morning. Now, 
I knew and Rachel knew that we couldn't go until at least Friday night because Rachel was in work and it was our first opportunity to start the queue. That day of Friday, the queue had closed because it had reached capacity. Now, when I say capacity, you're thinking, Royal Community, five kilometres because I've just given you that number. Oh, no. Apparently, the end of the queue is 10 kilometres, which is roughly about 14 hour wait. So Rachel and I donned our finest and joined the back of the queue. When we went, we didn't even know whether the queue was going to be open or not. Yeah. So when we got into Southwark Park, we were just so elated. Now, bear in mind, if you know London, and you'll probably get a, a, a map out right now, <laughs> Royal Community, you'll follow along with this. Southwark Park is southeast of London. The Houses of Parliament are dead bang in the middle of just where the River Thames is, where the London Eye is. Across the road from that is Westminster Abbey, Westminster Hall and the Houses of Parliament. So you would look at that map and go, wow, that's a long way. However, the queue had queues for the queue. (laughs) So this is what was tripping everybody up because the queue didn't start where you thought it started. You had to get in a queue to join the actual queue. Yeah, because we knew that we had to get a wristband. Yeah. So once you had your wristband, it meant you could come out of the queue and have a bathroom break or, you know, grab something quickly to eat and you could come back into the queue. So it wasn't like you were pushing in. And a lot of people asked this actually as well, was, but you've lost your spot then. No, the line is continuously moving. So we didn't have a specific spot. So if you was with people and they stayed in the queue while you came out of it, you could obviously go back and find them. And that was fine. Yeah. But you didn't actually have a specific spot. That was a lot yeah. of other questions that we got asked. So when I think people thought that the, the wristbands were numbered and you have yeah. to stay in numbered order. The wristband was just a colour code for a group of people at a certain moment of time. Yeah. And as long as you, when you get to a certain checkpoint, were within that group of coloured wristbands, you were all good. If you were a different colour, you would have to wait until your colour arrived. Does that make sense, Royal Community? I hope it so does. Let's just give you some perspective. When we got to Summit Park, we got in AQ. Which, AQ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we was in this queue. I think it was like, what, two hours at this point, was it? Are you on about before we got our wristbands? Yeah. We got our wristbands three hours into starting our like walk into Southwark Park. Yeah. So three hours in, we then got our wristband, which technically means as soon as you get your wristbands, you're in the you're queue. You're in the queue. <laughs> so what was funny is we got there, at, I think it was like half past seven at night. And obviously we're going on this kind of like walking tour of London. So when we got our wristbands, we could hear like this ripple effect of cheering. We were like, what's going on? And then we realised people were getting their wristbands. They were like, yay, we're in the queue, we're in the queue. And then we're going on this walking tour. Some of these places I've never been to before. Like I've never been myself. So we were going to St. Catherine's Dock. And then we was at the back of... um, Tower Bridge. Yeah. We saw all these monuments. We're going past the Globe. We're going past the National Theatre. So many places. And then Royal Community. It's about two, three o'clock in the morning. And head on over to our YouTube channel because there'll be a video about this. The queue just stops. And we're like, why is this not moving? (laughs) It's just not moving. And by this time, it's two o'clock. Obviously, everyone's tired, freezing cold. And 
we heard on the grapevine from police officers and marshals that they were doing a rehearsal for the funeral procession and that the queue would stop for two hours. So we effectively had to stand there for two hours. But luckily, there was this centre. What was the what was open for? It's us? the South Bank, the South Bank Centre, which is like I say, if you ever know London, you know the South Bank Centre is really close to the London Eye, and it's just a place where people congregate. There's art and there's theatre and there's just loads of different places to go within the actual centre itself. But it was like a mecca, wasn't it? Which <laughs> we were just like, oh my goodness, there's some warmth and a comfy chair. And obviously, Alison and Rosalind, who are our hashtag Q friends, if you're listening right now, we love you. Um, they were just incredible. And we just took it in turns to like, right, you're in our, we know that's the marker where we're leaving the queue. And then we come back because we're going to join in where Alison or uh, Rosalind was. So, you know, it was tough going. I have to say, Rachel and I, even three days afterwards, our bodies were absolutely broken. Like our hips, oh. our knees, our feet, our back. <laughs> we sound I like grannies. <laughs> yeah, but I cannot explain, Royal Community, how grueling it was. It was like doing yeah. a marathon without any training. And there, it was so funny because there was this one point, Shell was like, looked at me and she was like, I don't think I can do this. I was like, you're doing this. <laughs> you're doing this. And then there was, was a like, point, Rachel looked at me, she was like, I don't think I can do this. And I was like, you're doing this. <laughs> kind of just like was bouncing off each other we went through all the snacks we went through all the snacks it was just it was grueling let me just give you a point of reference royal community if you want to actually join along with rachel and i in our journey which it was a journey right wasn't it it was a pilgrimage that we love to be part of but yeah. our bodies hated if you want to join along we've got on our instagram keeping up with the windsor's pod in our highlights you will see the queue it's got its own highlights <laughs> <laughs> Click on that and you can follow our journey throughout the night. We've done like little stories. And also on YouTube, there is a full vlog on our Q experience and also footage of us whilst we give our respects to Her Majesty as we walk past the coffin. So if you want to see more of a visual of what we're talking about, you can head over to YouTube and on our Instagram. Let's just talk about the moment then, Rach, where we actually saw Her Majesty's coffin in Westminster Hall. Yeah, so by this point, Royal Community, we've been queuing up for 13 hours. <laughs> no, you heard that right, Royal Community. 13 hours. <laughs> Rachel, that wasn't a mistake from Rachel. <laughs> it was 13 hours that we waited. So we go through security and honestly, it was tighter than what it is in an airport. There was policemen, army, machine guns everywhere. And they were like, we got to this point and they were like, you can't take makeup in. And she was like, they better not be taking my, what was it, your mascara? Well, I had all my tart mascara, uh, mascara and concealer from America, which I had shipped over because you can't get my colours that I need in the UK. And I paid a lot of money to get that shipped over. And I was like, if they take this off me, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Luckily, for some strange reason, they didn't take it off me, but they did take off my hand cream and my sun cream. It got chucked in the bin. Like literally yeah. threw, thrown away right in front of your face. The gentleman who was um, throwing the stuff away said to me he's had people actually cry because they've thrown like really expensive makeup, really expensive perfume. But I feel like they didn't tell us that at the start. Yeah, I can understand perfume, but nowhere on the prohibited list, which we did check, did it say makeup? It did not say makeup on there. But it did say all liquids. Now yeah. to me, liquids means 
I don't know, like drinks and it, you don't really think, you don't fathom makeup, do you? No. And also we had food that was still, we hadn't even opened and we yeah. had to chuck that. We weren't allowed to take that in. And what was annoying as well was there were some people, there was a man in front of us who had a vape and he was like, this is really expensive. And the marshal was like, I'm sorry. But, and he was like, well, can I come back and get it? So you don't even have a collection point for us to come back and get things. No. Basically, they were just running on a one-way system. There was a bag drop, but they were only doing the bag drop for people who had like really extremely big bags. Yeah. So anyway, we were literally waiting 13 hours and then to have that right in our faces was like, <laughs> oh my goodness, seeing all these machine guns, people going, you can't take this and you can't take that in and just people like chucking things like, no, croissants made this, my yeah, dad, my yeah. it was It was quite an extreme it thing, was quite wasn't an it? ordeal, yeah, wasn't it? And then yeah. we get to the hall and... Obviously, from this point, you know, the great thing, and you'll get, you'll really see this on the vlog and in the highlights, was the sense of community. People were going on their own, but they were making friends. It was like, right, okay, I'm by myself. I'm with six other people, total strangers I've never met before, but yeah. it's like I've known you all my life. <laughs> Absolutely. Honestly, because we all had a common goal, like a common interest. We all had a love that we could just connect with straight away. Yeah. And then, so when, so obviously, like everyone was like really happy throughout the evening. Obviously, at some points, people were lagging. No, no question. But when we actually. <laughs> oh, Royal Community, we didn't tell you. We started the queue at 7.25 in the evening, which means we had no sleep. We went all the way through to the early hours of the morning. We didn't sleep until we got home. And I got yeah. home at 11 o'clock. You got home at half 11 in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah. So we had to stay awake the whole night. So we was up for like over 24 hours. 24, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then when we got to the hall, it was everyone, it was just like this hush came over everybody. And when you went in, you you walk you walked up the stairs and you're like, wow, I've never been in this building before. So I was, you know, looking around and you can't take pictures. We're not allowed to take photos. You're not allowed to take videos, anything like that. Then we get to the top of the stairs and obviously there was the coffin and I was like, oh my gosh, we've been queuing for 13 hours for this moment. And I remember I looked at Michelle and I said to Michelle, are you all right? She was like, yeah, are you? And I was like, yeah. And then as we started walking down the steps, I was just getting more and more emotional because I was thinking, oh my gosh, Her Majesty is in that coffin. And we walked past, um, so there was obviously the soldiers, there was the beef eaters and then there was the policemen. And there was a policeman that I walked past and he was doing like eye gymnastics. <laughs> like he wasn't <laughs> moving, but you could see him, you know, looking around. And we're getting closer and closer to the coffin. And you just see, obviously, that magnificent state crown, the imperial state crown on the coffin. You see the scepter and you see the orb. And it's, and it was a wow moment. And I got closer and closer. And all along, like before we went in, we were practicing our curtsies. With our bad knees, Royal Community. With our bad knees. I didn't know how I was going to do it, honestly. I couldn't even bend no more than two centimetres. It was that bad. But then I got in front of the coffin and I just felt really emotional and I was trying to keep my tears back. I was, I was really trying to. And I, I remember I, I curtsied and I think I put my hand over my heart and I said a few words in my head to Her Majesty. Don't get emotional right now, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, I mean, and... we cried our eyes out in the last episode. So <laughs> feel free to do it this time as well. And then it was kind of, it was over. You're just standing in front of this coffin for like, not even like a minute. But it's just, it was just a really special, serene moment. 
And then I remember walking past it and I think everybody just did the same thing. I looked back at the coffin because I was like, this is the last time that I'm going to see Her Majesty as such. Yeah. And then as we were walking out, like me and Michelle hugged and we both cried. And then we had um, a camera clicking in our face, taking pictures. So we know exactly how the royals feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just, and it, it was a weird experience because when she got out of there, it was, we was with um, Alison and Rosalind. Alison was crying as well. We were both crying. And it was, and it was strange because we, we neither, none of us said anything to each other. There was marshals like trying to move you on. So we went across the road. And we just kind of like stood there for a minute or two. And we was like, wow, we've queued up 13 hours for that one moment. And just what an experience. And I'm so glad. I've always said I, that's something that I would like to do. And I'm so glad that I got to be able to do it because I know so many people across the world, America, Canada, Australia, that was messaging us while we was in the queue saying, yeah. do it for us because I'd love to be there and experience that and pay my respects in person. And I just felt so lucky and blessed that I was able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a very similar experience, but it's slightly different. So I'll, I'll kind of just fill you in on mine. But before I do that, what was amazing was people had messaged us on Instagram, like, go girls, like you're doing brilliantly. Like the amount of text messages, WhatsApps I had, keep going, you're doing great. You know, it did feel like that marathon kind of feeling, didn't it? Yeah. Honestly, the volunteers, the um, security, the police officers, everyone was just amazing as we went around there was police officers on bikes kind of going like you're doing well you're halfway and stuff like that and we were, <laughs> they were just lying listening. by the way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they but were saying they, that to keep our spirits up keep, exactly <laughs> but there was like just random people's houses like use our toilets and random communities here's a cup of tea you know it was it was amazing to be a part of but it was so difficult and then when we got to the houses of parliament we think right that's it we're nearly there and we're not nearly there because we still got and apparently you said this didn't you Ray? that yeah. cattle pen queue just outside Westminster Hall is actually three hours long and there's 10,000 people in it well yeah. we've already been through three lots of those on the way to get there so it was like the last slog it was really hard but what was amazing was lots of people text us straight away in the morning instagrammed us in the morning how are you doing are you still in the queue keep going i can't believe i've slept through the whole night and you're still <laughs> awake still in the queue this is just blowing my mind those messages kept us going. That was just amazing. So thank you so much, Royal Community, for having Rachel and I's back. And like Rachel just said, we were doing it not just for us. We were doing it for everyone who, in a way, it was a real privilege to do it because not everyone was able or physically able, let's put it that way, or location-wise able to go. There were so many people in the queue that had actually flown over for it as well, which is yeah. so special. So special. I just want to say as well, a big thank you, because just before we went through security, I put on our stories. If anyone sees it, because there was a live feed, wasn't there? There was a constant live feed on BBC. Yeah. And I said, if anyone sees us, can you record it and send it to us? And we didn't know what side we would be going in on. We didn't know what side they would be filming on. Yeah. So it was just our luck, thankfully, that we went on the right side and we was able to pay our respects. And that was actually recorded. 
And so many people message us saying, oh, we saw you. Like, and, but so you many know, people sent, actually you. filmed it, didn't yeah. they? And sent it to us. I had at least five people personally sent it to me. Yeah. We had, honestly, I can't even count on my hands how many people actually did it for us, which yeah. is blows my mind. And I'm so thankful to and everyone. There was, and it was funny because people were like, I didn't know it was you, Rachel, because you was wearing glasses. Because <laughs> <laughs> I... Because I normally um, have glasses to drive and things like that. So I, I wanted those on so I could see everything when I went into the hall. Because otherwise I wouldn't have got like a great visual of it. And to be honest, like, I would have loved to have dressed up more. But honestly, it was so cold that <laughs> we had so many layers on. I was like, I can't believe I'm standing in front of Her Majesty for the first and last time curtsying. And I'm wearing a blooming Parker jacket and... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I look a right state. I've got makeup that bad on for over 24 hours. <laughs> Honestly, like it, it was an ordeal, but it was it was special. When we went through security, it was this massive, glaring, hard thing to go through. It's hard to like, you know, we, we're not in a country that has guns. Only our police officers who are armed have guns. So it's so weird to be surrounded by about 50 people who have those big, massive guns, not like a handgun, like a big, massive assault rifle. Um, that was jarring. And then all of a sudden you come out of that and Royal Community, we literally turned a corner and we were in Westminster Hall. There wasn't any moment to catch my breath. It was this frantic throwing away of things you're not allowed to have into right, complete silence. And that jarring atmosphere really kind of got to me. And then as I was trying to compose myself to kind of like emotionally regulate, I went up the stairs and then I just, we were there. And Her Majesty's coffin was right in the middle of the room. I say the room, it's a massive hall, it's huge. And I just looked up and I just saw the most beautiful wooden beams because it's so synonymous this is a very very old building and that roof is architecturally amazing and i looked up and i remembered saying in my head like take it all in take it all in because it's not every day you're in westminster hall but it's also the queen she's right there and she like my eyes just kept going to the, the to a coffin you know and but there was so much to see everywhere it's such a wonderful place to be obviously not in a very good reason to be there we came down the stairs and you'll see this on uh, the feed what if you if you did watch the live feed you come down a really big staircase and there's people there kind of taking you to the left or the right to know whether you're in you know whichever row because firstly when they opened the queue on wednesday it was only one row but by the time we got there there was about four different kind of lines wasn't there yeah, Rach? yeah Luckily, we was in the line that was closest to Her Majesty's coffin. And as I walked through, I'd seen the scepter and I've seen the orb and the imperial state crown. I've seen all that before, but never seen it outside of like a museum or glass. And it was just there I have right in front of me, probably billions of pounds worth of jewels sparkling in my eyes. And it was the biggest distraction. And I mean, a positive focus for me to hold my composure and the reason why I wanted to hold my composure is because it you don't get this view when you're looking at the camera but because you're the camera if that makes sense but when you're coming down the stairs you look and there's these big massive stairs just full of journalists taking pictures writing notes it just felt really jarring for me 
And I thought, you don't, you're not going to get my special moments. Like, I'm going to hold this in together. You know, it was, it was like a defiance. I don't want you to see my special moment. I, I do realize, I mean, I can't ever fathom what it's like to be in the royal family, but having been in that private moment and having that emotion and then realizing that somebody is filming you and taking your picture when you don't want it and writing notes about your experience when you don't want that is probably as close as I'm ever going to get to being a royal yeah obviously so, they you know experience it on a much grander a much scale grand, ex- every day right every single day but so I kind of like held it together I, I just kept looking at the scepter you know the star of Africa the Cullinan one diamond in that scepter I kept looking I kept looking and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life the sparkles the shine and it was so fitting for her majesty you know those those symbols of her reign were so fitting and then it came to the moment we just got edged closer closer to the coffin I remember kind of saying in my head thank you ma'am for everything and it was just something I kept saying because I didn't want to like not say like in my head by the way not out loud it's very silent in that room but as I got closer I was just like thank you ma'am for everything I just kept saying it and um and then I I saw we had our gap where the person in front of us had just done their curtsy and Rachel walked forwards. And I thought, is this a time where I let Rachel do a thing or is there a time where we're together? So I kind of walk, you walk forwards a little bit and then I walk forwards and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be good if like we timed it together? And I was like, <laughs> no, no, we need, I need to let Rachel do a thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I kind of like, my, my knees were so like, I can't even tell you, I've never, I've, I have been just as tired as that in a very different situation when I was waitressing, but it was grueling. And there was just something in that moment. I've never experienced it before ever. I can't, don't think it'll ever be recreated, but there's just a moment where even though there's loads of people around you, it feels like you're alone with the queen. It felt like a very silent appreciation. And on the video, like I say, you, you can see it on YouTube. On the video, it's literally... 10 seconds yeah. it felt like two minutes it felt like I was there I curtsied I kind of said in my head like thank you for your service thank you for being you know amazing blah 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 and then and then I walked off but when I see it on camera I'm like oh that that is so quick it's so quick as we walked off then like Rachel said we hugged and there was there was about five little kind of thing I was like oh, can you leave us alone please <laughs> Oh, it was so undignified, really, wasn't it, Rach? <laughs> but, you know, on the flip side of that, loads of people sent us the video of the 24-hour camera pointing at everyone's faces whilst they were giving their last respects. And if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have that footage. So it's a kind of give and take, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, so like I say, if you want to know more about the queue or see us in all our glory at two or three or four or five o'clock in the morning outside the South Bank <laughs> Centre with the Thames River wind just hitting our faces then that's, that's why i'm ill because of that thames <laughs> yeah honestly it was it was hardcore hardcore um okay royal community is time it's time to talk about her majesty's funeral now we actually shared that experience with our vip royal community over on zoom that went from 10 30 until five o'clock and we were just there we just had the zoom and people just came in and they went and they came back in and went and it was amazing i want to do a massive shout out to everyone in the vip royal community who joined us for that 
especially Charlotte. It was lovely to spend yeah. loads of time with Charlotte that day. And so, yeah, we that's what we did. We Zoomed it. Rachel came over to mine. We had snacks, didn't we? Yeah. It feels weird saying you had snacks at Her Majesty's yeah. funeral. I know we said the same with uh, Prince Philip, wasn't it? I was like, I got my snacks. I was like, it's so <laughs> weird being a Marks and Spencer buying snacks for a funeral. But, you know, I'm glad I did because it was ages, wasn't it? Yeah, we w- there was no way we were leaving that TV screen. <laughs> No way. No way. So the way it worked was Her Majesty was taken from Westminster Hall to Westminster Abbey for the state funeral. I was really surprised that it's a tradition because you don't really know about tradition until it happens again. And we haven't had it for ages. The last state funeral, I think, was Winston Churchill. But we found out that Her Majesty gets placed on the state gun carriage, Rach. That then is pulled by the Navy. Can you believe yeah. this? I, I even said to you, I was like, they're pulling it themselves. And you were like, yeah, they are. I was, but I, I thought with the Queen, it's going to be horses. But then when we've done research, this state gun carriage, the tradition started with Queen Victoria when she had a funeral in February 1901. And the reason why they chose to go with the Navy instead of horses is because during like rehearsals and stuff, the horses were rearing up and causing a lot of issues. So the Navy said, right, we'll pull it. And since then, that's what they've done. Bear in mind, the gun carriage weighs 5,600 pounds. I can't believe this. Wow. I know. I also found out doing research for this today, Rach. This is the first state funeral that has had female Navy sailors pulling the the carriage. So this is like massive. This is so ahead of its time. I love it. (laughs) Absolutely love it. For me, I'm just like, wow. And... I thought it was so poignant and so beautiful. And it reminded me as well of her connection to the Navy, which obviously Charles, there's um, Prince Philip, massively Prince Philip. It, It just all connected, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think we have to give a massive, massive shout out to the pallbearers. Oh my goodness. Because they moved Her Majesty from Buckingham Palace to... Westminster Hall to begin with on on the Wednesday and it was the same gentleman every single time that you saw the coffin being moved and it's become um, this thing here in the UK where it's those men should never have to buy a a beer in a pub (laughs) for themselves ever again like where's their knighthood where's their MBE where's their you know services to the monarchy they deserve something because that coffin obviously held her majesty but it's also led lines mm-hmm. and weighed an absolute ton yeah and you could really see it especially when they were transferring the coffin up the steps at Windsor Castle at St George's Chapel that was tough going and I literally was I was like please don't drop it please don't drop it obviously they wouldn't but yeah. it was one of those things where you're like oh they got to the top yes thank yeah, you I know so the 10 soldiers because there was 8 carrying the coffin and then there was one at the front and one at the back the 10 soldiers are from the Queen's Company 1st Battalion Grenadier Guards and you know what these Grenadier Guards they have two roles a bit like all of the forces that are connected with the royal family they've got their public ceremonial duties which is to protect Her Majesty or His Majesty's body in life and death and also to carry out 
infantry across the world. So they were actually been in Iraq. Yeah, Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just like mind blowing. And all of the people who are part of the 1st Battalion Grenadier Guards have to be over six foot. And they actually get measured with a big uh, like wooden <laughs> stick to be part of it. So it's just, it just yeah. blows my mind. And when I was reading some of the guys, um, I think one of them was only like 19. Can you yeah. believe that? I know. Amazing. They have done the Queen proud remember she is their commander-in-chief isn't she yeah so this is the highest honor for them and what a job that is so hard not just to do it once but to do it so many times and apparently Rach and we'll talk about this in a minute but when they went to the private burial with the rest of the family they actually went down into the vault and carried her majesty to her final resting place so it didn't end there they did one more carry it's just incredible must be in agony they must feel the weight well no they probably feel way worse than we felt with 13 hour waits for the queue just so much respect for them absolutely amazing job let's talk about the flowers Rach because on the top of her majesty's coffin was the most amazing floral display it was just it was beautiful wasn't it and we found out that um, on behalf of the king still sounds so bizarre saying that yeah it is so he requested that the wreath contained flowers from the gardens of Buckingham Palace Clarence House and Highgrove the foliage actually has some significance because it contained rosemary for remembrance myrtle for a happy marriage and this was actually cut from a plant that was used in the Queen's wedding bouquet to Prince Philip I loved this touch these touches are things like I... I had I fake know. flowers at my wedding, so I would never, <laughs> never really know. But you know what I mean? It's like, this is monumental stuff. Yeah, English oak, which symbolizes strength of love. And the flowers were chosen, the colors, to reflect the uh, colors in the royal standards. Mm. And also the wreath was sustainable and it was a nest of English moss and, and oak branches and with the use without foam because normally they, you would have foam and you would yeah. put you know foliage and the flowers in that foam but as we know with the king mm-hmm. he is very big on sustainability and yeah. this was a brilliant way of carrying that forward so and what I love did you see the little spider that went over the top of the card that was written on it no yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I think the spider's got his like own little twitter account now like <laughs> The Queen's funeral spider or something. So uh, yeah, that's a little uh, Easter egg for you. It said in loving, what what was it on the card? In loving and devoting memory, Charles R. Yeah, which I thought was just such a special touch. Yeah. It was so just lovely. Simple, said everything that I needed to say, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know at what point I started crying because Royal Community, I cried before the funeral actually took place because <laughs> I was watching on the BBC and Giles Brandwith, who... You may may have seen he's a TV presenter. He's been on programs. Um, he's a royal commentator, but he actually knows the royals. He went to school with the now queen consort, Camilla, and he actually read out the letter that the queen's father, King George VI, wrote to then Princess Elizabeth the day after her wedding day. And it was basically saying how proud he was to have her on his arm, walking her down the aisle and how he knew that her and Philip would do an amazing job and have a brilliant life together. And I was literally bawling my eyes out listening to this. I was like, oh, this is so bad. Oh. <laughs> so I, that got me. Yeah. And then we, as, as we said earlier, we was watching with our VIP Royal Community over on Kofi 
And it was one of those things where we were kind of, I think we were watching different feeds because we had people in America. So mm-hmm. we were watching on the BBC, but I think people, some people were watching like CBS. I think that's yeah. one of their mm-hmm. programs. And someone was saying, oh, have you seen Charlotte? Charlotte's wearing a hat. And as you know, Royal Community, I love Charlotte. And it was only <laughs> the day before that we found out that George and Charlotte would be attending the funeral. Yeah. So it was actually in the official not program, what's they called it? Order of service, service wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It was in it was in the order Ooh, of service. I will actually say I love the fact that they sent out a digital order of service. So people who watched around the world, which it is actually estimated of five billion people, would have access to the digital order of service, which I think was a wonderful touch. Yeah, it really was. So we hadn't seen the children or any of the royal family at this point. And then we saw Charlotte with Catherine and George. And I was like, Charlotte's wearing a hat. I was freaking out because I was like, oh, look at her. She looked- I know it's the wrong time and place, but I was like, I'm so happy that she's wearing a hat. Like, she looks so <laughs> cute. <sighs> and then, obviously, we saw Countess of Wessex. And every time we were seeing someone, we were like, oh, Princess Alexandra, oh, the Duke of Kent. Yeah. It was like, oh, they're making me cry because I'm seeing all these family members that knew Her Majesty and spent time with her and obviously was a member of her family. I just said, before we set record on this podcast today, I said to Michelle, I was like, I honestly don't know how. I know they've had their private moments, but I don't know how they haven't cried buckets full of tears during any of these um, ceremonies. We saw Edward and Sophie, when they got into the Abbey, they sat down and they were both crying. I was like, yeah, let them cry. It's his mother. Like, of course he's going to be upset that his mother's, you know, it's her funeral taking place. I'm going to tell you something that made me cry. And I, I cried a lot during the whole service. But the, ma- the main thing that made me cry was, oh, it sounds like, because it's him, but Prince Andrew was walking behind her coffin and he did that like like little blubbering lip thing. Do you know what yeah. you're like, oh. And I was just like, he was holding it back and I I couldn't, I just went. And I was just like that thing constantly. I found it really, really hard. Um, yeah. I think I was okay. Like once once the ceremony actually started, obviously, if you've listened to our podcast before, you know Michelle and I love a choir. We, we absolutely we love, a choir. love a choir. And the hymns that were sung also held significance. The Lord's My Shepherd was sung at the Queen and Prince Philip's wedding. Love Divine, All Loves Excelling was sung at William Catherine's wedding and the anthem, O Taste and See, was composed for the Queen's coronation. Oh, Oh, I know. It was just, I just thought they were just so, you know, personal things, hymns that would have meant. And as we know, Shell, the Queen was a Christian woman. So these hymns would have held importance for her. Absolutely. We have to also take a step back and think. The Queen has brought all of the most important people in the world together under one roof for one specific reason to celebrate her life. I don't know anyone else who would be able to do that in this time. It's absolutely extraordinary, the legacy that she's left. Yeah. And i tell you the one thing that I thought kind of in my line of business way back when I used to help with event organization and just the diplomatic organization that needed to happen. They had that dinner the, before the funeral for all the heads of state, world leaders, church leaders, you, you name it. Whoever was important that was invited, they came. 
And I just thought to myself, wow, how are they able to do that? You know, allow everyone to feel just as important, even though someone may have more status than somebody else. That's such a difficult thing to pull off. But they managed it. And with the state funeral as well, it was it was made such a big deal of that all these world leaders and also loads of royal family from different parts of the world were coming in minibuses. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean it's yeah. the most logical thing isn't it to get everyone in one place at the quickest time well there was, was like, a point when we looked over and there was um queen marguerite of denmark and she looked like she was shedding a tear we was like oh no this is gonna set yeah. us up again yeah. because we've said it before they are you know a lot of them are related they all descend from queen victoria and prince albert so a lot of them even though obviously they don't see each other all the time they are distant family aren't they well there was an interview with queen marguerite so since we've had isabella on the podcast talking about the european royals i have been looking more into the european royals and queen marguerite was talking about her relationship with her majesty and they used to have conversations on the phone where they would call each other their nicknames the queen would call queen marguerite daisy and queen marguerite would call her lilibet and they would just that would be what they would call each other and i always thought to myself there isn't anyone that really understands the queen's predicament because nobody is higher than her but actually how wonderful was it that she can have this wonderful friendship as well as you know they are related this wonderful friendship and also they were equals and that must be so different to being queen of everyone if that makes sense so i just i'm just so happy that she had that with somebody yeah absolutely amazing let's move on to george and charlotte they were just honestly seven and nine years old they behaved impeccably. They didn't put uh, a foot wrong. They did not put a foot, foot wrong. And I've seen the clip where they're standing outside the abbey and the coffin goes past. And you see there's Megan, Catherine, Sophie, and then George and Charlotte in the front. The older ladies go to curtsy. And then you can see Catherine lips, like you can see her lips and she's saying curtsy. And then Charlotte from the corner of her eyes sees Sophie curtsy. So then she curtsies and then George sees Charlotte. And then so he bows and he's like, I just, you know, even now, even at their young ages, their sense of duty is already being instilled by their parents at this young age. I think we're already starting to see the relationship between Charlotte and George, which will sustain George as and when he gets older and he takes on his more prominent role within the family as heir to the throne. And although Charlotte is younger, you can actually see that she guides him and he Mm. actually relies on her. And when you look at them, even now I'm thinking, they're Charles and Anne 2.0. Well, she she is the next royal hobnob really isn't she she's, she a, is. she's next to princess royal so i mean long live the princess royal royal community you know <laughs> i love her but it is a wonderful relationship to see and seven and nine mum and dad should be super proud of them because especially that was such a long day they didn't finish when the cameras went off because they still had their private burial afterwards that's a long day for those children to be on you know, on royal duty. So my hat goes off to them. My Charlotte hat tips (laughs) them because it's just beautiful. Really, their their attitude, their behaviour, their sense of connecting and and honouring their grandmother was amazing. Yeah, because there was also a reel that I put up on our Instagram, Keeping Up The Winters Pods. It was when they was at Wellington Arch and you can see Charlotte saying to him, when the car goes past, you have to bow. (laughs) Yeah. And 
was like, oh, this girl's seven years old. She's just yeah. on it already. She's like, I got just, it. I love her. Like, yeah. I've said it before. I was a fangirling at the Jubilee. I'm even a big and bigger fangirl now. I was a seven-year-old. And the little horseshoe brooch, how cute was that? We found out that it was a gift from Her Majesty. And it once belonged to her great-great-grandmother, the Queen Mother. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely incredible. It makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, so her first piece of royal sentimental jewellery. Yeah. Now, we have to also point out that not all of the great-grandchildren went to the state funeral at Westminster Abbey and they went to the committal service at Windsor Castle. And I think that was the right move because the state funeral was very formal wasn't it it was very proper it was the government giving the queen her send-off yeah yeah so it was very diplomatic it was connected with lots of people who obviously knew her majesty but it was more of a respect-based thing as we moved towards the ceremony in Windsor that was more heartfelt more and not to say the state funeral wasn't it was beautiful but the committal service for me felt more of it was more intimate it was more intimate yeah exactly exactly yeah because we actually said that on our zoom call didn't we yeah yeah you know the state funeral like you just said it that's for all the world leaders to come together Mm -hmm. the churches you know all the religious aspects of it the royal families to give thanks but actually some of the royal families did actually go to the committal service at Windsor as well yeah absolutely the other thing I want to mention is just the absolute amazingness of all of the military all of the police all the volunteers the support staff you name it anyone who had to wake up at like one or two in the morning to get there to help organize this massive event it wouldn't have happened had those people not taken their time and done their duty and it was just such an amazing thing you know I think sometimes we forget it's like even the cameramen and the photographers they have to wake up so early it was a big thing for everyone involved and it just was excellent so if you're listening to this and you were part of that thank you very much because you did her majesty proud the one thing show and i didn't like <laughs> go on i can't was, remember what was it we love hugh edwards the presenter oh, yeah, hugh edwards course. yeah and then did. when they got to windsor the presenter changed to david dimbleby and we was off like, oh, Get him off, get you back, we want you back. I, I was like, please say Hugh's having a toilet break because if he's not having a toilet break, I don't know if I can deal with this, but we had to just put up with it, didn't we, Rach? Yeah. What was amazing to see was everybody lying in the roads, the streets. It was kind of reminiscent of Diana's funeral where people were throwing flowers, but people had been told not to throw flowers. Obviously, some people, if they couldn't have laid down their flowers at Buckingham Palace or Green Park or Sandringham or wherever, they felt the need to do that. But then when we got to Windsor, you said, didn't you? I was expecting all these horses. And that's when we saw the horses, wasn't it? That side of the procession. Yeah. But before we get there, I wanted to just say that I thought it was amazing that as Her Majesty left Westminster Abbey, heading past Buckingham Palace, you got Big Ben tolling, you had the gun salutes, which made me so emotional. And then as she went past Buckingham Palace, all the staff came out. Oh, 
Yeah. I was just in tears. You just know every single one of them have probably boiled an egg for the queen, <laughs> replaced toilet roll, have, you know, sorted the wine out, have put a gilded cup somewhere for someone washed to washed their clothes. Wash your clothes. Like you you name it. Every single one of those people had enabled the queen to do her duty. And it was just amazing. And then she went to Wellington Arch, wasn't it? Yeah. And they transferred her from, bear in mind, Royal Community, this is the Navy pulling the the coffin on the state gun carriage. Amazing. From Westminster Abbey to Wellington Arch. And then the pallbearers transferred her coffin from the gun carriage onto the hearse. And then it was driven to Windsor. And that's when what you were just saying, Rachel, were people fr- throwing flowers and stuff. Yeah. Um, Windsor is, I think it's probably about 10 miles, six to 10 miles. I can't remember exactly. And what was interesting was when she was on a motorway, she was going quite fast, not not like super, super fast, but you could tell there was people running out to kind of in the reservations, like there's the queen. But also as she nearly approached Windsor, she went through like these little tiny country lanes and there was hardly anyone there because you're in the country. And you just see the odd house every now and then. And they came out and like, oh, there's the queen coming past. And then she was at the long walk at Windsor Castle. I just bawled my eyes out because I was like, this is the last time. Like, this is the last time she's coming through the Cambridge Gate. And I tell you the one thing for me, Rach, that broke my heart was we found out that Princess Anne had the idea of putting all the flowers along the procession. Yeah. And I just, it would, it looked so beautiful and such a fitting tribute for Her Majesty. Yeah. Because there was. It frightened everything up, didn't it? Yeah. Because there was crowds. And then obviously that last bit towards the castle entrance, that's when there was the flowers either side. But I think what broke a lot of people, Shell, and it broke us. And, you know, it wasn't until after that we Uh. started reading it was seeing Her Majesty's favourite horse, Emma, Ugh. lining up with her trainer. and her little pony, oh my goodness. But and honestly, what a beautiful pony. Oh it wasn't goodness. until after that I saw pictures and I actually posted on her Instagram. On the saddle was one of Her Majesty's headscarves. Oh, and that just can't. got me because, again, it was such a sentimental touch, something that Her Majesty wore all the time when she was riding. And yeah. she, she, not long ago, gave up riding, did she? It was apparently in June was her last ride. And I mean, that is what, three months ago? Yeah. And what I loved, I mean, you kind of like, oh my goodness, that's just such a moment. When the coughing came past, Emma dug a, a hoop in the ground. I was <laughs> like, like, oh my oh, goodness. We're like, she's she's going to <laughs> she got a like what's going on she's a dressage yeah. horse now like, honestly it was so so emotional so emotional and then and then to top it off we had blooming Mick and Sandy the corgis yeah. playing outside didn't you we you and Sandy doing their thing outside and oh. do you know what the gun salutes were going off it was loud those dogs were so well behaved so Muick and Sandy were the puppies from what we understand whether this is uh this is rumored or not but they were given to the queen over covid two little puppies because the queen actually wanted to stop breeding corgis because she didn't want to leave them when she passed away and so she stopped breeding them then she was going to be left with no dogs so 
Prince Andrew and the Duchess of York decided to buy two little puppies for Her Majesty during COVID. And I think that was a lovely thing. And they're going to live with Andrew and Sarah at the lodge, aren't they? Yeah, at Royal Lodge, yeah. At Royal Lodge. And that broke me. And what I loved 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 about prince philip's funeral is the amazing individual touches and that for me was just so spectacular to see those things for the queen and then you had the staff come out again rachel windsor and it broke me again and i tell you the other thing that made me cry again was when we saw charles and Andrew and Edward queued up, ready to walk behind the coffin. And me just remembering, like, it's only, what, 17 months ago that they did the exact same thing for their father. And now they're doing the exact same thing for their mother. And it was just so poignant. I couldn't hold it in. Yeah. Royal community, a lot of you people have asked, where's Angela Kelly in all this? Where is she? Mm. But she was seen. She was at the state funeral and she was at the committal at Windsor as well. And she was seen with Her Majesty's ladies-in-waiting. Yeah. The ladies-in-waiting, they've been by Her Majesty's side. One of them, Lady Susan Hussey, has been with Her Majesty since the 60s. Since wow. the 60s. Wow. And don't know if you know this, but they don't earn a wage from being a lady-in-waiting. It's more of an honour, like you're honoured to be the Queen's lady-in-waiting. And at first, Lady Susan Hussey, she would be replying to letters, but she actually went on world tours with Her Majesty and she became one of her closest confidants and friends. That is a book I'd like to read. Yeah. So if well, she's making it, and she's Anne Glenn Connor. Yeah, Anne yeah. And we also saw Pamela Mountbatten, who is now the eldest living descendant of Queen Victoria. Amazing. And Prince Albert. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Then obviously we've we've mentioned the Paul Bearers taking the coffin and walking up the steps at St. George's Chapel. Again, it's one of those moments where your your heart's in your mouth because to navigate all those steps and bear in mind the crowns on there, the scepters on there, they're priceless jewels, aren't they? And then obviously the the ceremony starts. Now, for me personally, this is probably my favourite part of the funeral because I know Windsor way more than I know Westminster Abbey. So when they were there, it felt familiar to me, which helped, I think. But it was such an amazing service. And it's something that I should have mentioned before, but um, in the state funeral, Archbishop of Canterbury said the most beautiful words. I just wanted to mention it now because he said, really has such a promise been so well kept. And I think that sums up Her Majesty and it's something that I wanted to say during the podcast because she made a promise to us all and during this committal service, that's when her promise was finally laid to rest. So during the service, we heard from different members of different churches come up and they say a few bits. Did you see this? This this was on Twitter as well, Rach. Did you see that one of the members of the clergy they dropped a, p- a piece of paper and no. it was on the floor for ages and ages and everyone was on like twitter watch like is anyone gonna pick this piece of paper up <laughs> i didn't notice that yeah and then all of a sudden it kind of panned to um i don't know one of the members of the royal family and when it went back the paper was picked up <laughs> <laughs> so it's like ah it got picked up it felt very religious it, but it felt like the queen had come home is what it felt like to me yeah it was more understated wasn't it that it was side abs- of it yeah absolutely but it was still grand in the sense that you had the crown the orb, orb and the scepter placed on the high altar at, yeah. at the chapel 
So that was in, that was like really interesting to see that part of it because that symbolizes the crown, the monarchy, her as the monarch, doesn't it? And not just the person. Yeah. And it, it was a taking a weight off as in the actual lifting of each of the instruments of state off the coffin and onto the high altar, as in to say that promise you made, you kept, and now we we take the burden from your shoulders and yeah. death has done that. And we also had the Lord Chamberlain, wasn't it? He broke his wand of office. And when that happened, that actually is the moment it signifies the end of Her Majesty's service. Well, it was just so final, wasn't it? That it was. Part of it. Because I think I said to you at that point, I was like, wow, that see, it seems a bit harsh in a way because it was mm. like, yeah, 70 years, done. <laughs> done, <laughs> Basically. yeah. Here you go, Charles. <laughs> Your turn now. I tell you what, though, before that, King Charles placed the Queen's company colours of the Grenadier Guards, which is, it looked like a flag, didn't it? Yeah. Um, it was placed on the coffin and then the Lord Chamberlain broke the wand of office. What I loved about that is if you, Royal Community, if you've ever seen SAS, Who Dares Wins on Channel 4, right? It's where they go, like they've got these like Navy SEALs, they go out and they do loads of different pursuits and stuff. And they go through like the hardest tasks. And at the end, when it finished, the guy who was usually like Aunt Middleton, they got a new guy now, haven't they, right? Yeah, yeah. They put their hands on the, the person's shoulders and they say, you have finished, it's done. Because your brain needs to like switch off and say, this is it, it's finished. And I think that is a symbol for us to allow the new monarch to be the new monarch because there was an actual breaking of that yeah. vow and it was done through death. And it was it was for us. It wasn't for the queen because obviously yeah. death was what released her from that. And then we saw her coffin going down, didn't we? Oh my goodness. And that part, they was reading out the titles. Her, Her Majesty, the Queen, leader of the Commonwealth, leader defender of the Church, of the Fae, I mean, defender the of the Faith, yep. realms. Oh gosh, that bit. And that bit was, wow, this is it now. This is the last time we're going to see her. We're going to see her. Exactly. And as we know, exactly what happened with Prince Philip's funeral happened. Her Majesty's Piper played a lament and she was just lowered. It mirrored Prince Philip's funeral. The bagpipe started playing and he walked off as, it was like her soul kind of leaving, if that makes sense. Yeah. And our, we realised that she's no longer in our lives anymore. Her, just her legacy is left. It was so beautiful. You can't do that anywhere else, if that makes sense. It was no. just absolutely didn't miss a beat. The service was amazing. It went on for a long time, but that's because of the transporting from place to place. When it finished, I was like, it doesn't feel enough. Like, it I feels know. like we should be having like, you know, a month's worth of these things. Morning, but, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so we actually found out that we didn't know for certain, but we kind of gathered that Her Majesty would be buried with Prince Philip. But like Victoria and Albert, they were buried together, but Albert was placed in St. George's Chapel until Victoria passed away. Mm. And then when she passed away, they both moved to the mausoleum at Frogmore. Yeah. But Her Majesty will actually be buried with Philip and King George VI and the Queen Mother and Princess Margaret at St. George's Chapel. Yeah. And there's going to be no fanfare in the sense that it's just going to be a simple stone and all it will have on will just say Elizabeth II and yeah. then the date. And yeah. that's it. 
There's no, because if you've ever been to St. George's Chapel, you'll know that her grandfather, her great grandfather, great great grandfather, they all have these, you know, monuments of them as marble statues as such, don't they? Yeah. These effigies, but just really simple, really understated. And I'm just so happy. Like it was, what was, what was that famous quote that the king always used to say, just us four, meaning mm. the queen, prince, princess Margaret and yeah. the mum and the dad. And now it's just them four and Prince Philip. Hopefully they'll be all together now and they can rest in peace because they deserve it. They really do. Yeah. Once the committal service finished, which I think our time was about 5pm, at 7.30pm they then had the private burial where the, just the immediate family members saw Her Majesty and Prince Philip being put in the little part of the chapel of St. George's Chapel. It's, it's actually a really nice little bit, isn't it? It was yeah, an extension that was built a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, um, yeah, because King George VI apparently wanted to be outside. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that was a very private thing. Nobody got to see that. But the one thing I want to say, well, actually, there's two little bits I want to say, is when the BBC broadcast wrapped up... Oh, don't. I know what you're going to say before you even Young, say it. Kirsty Young, who I have to say, we don't mention her very often on the, on the podcast. I don't think we've ever m- mentioned her on the podcast. But she is like really softly spoken, a lovely woman, really respectful. And she did a lot of coverage for the Jubilee, which we missed actually because we were at Jubilee and we had to watch it ba- uh, back. But she covered so much of the Jubilee for the BBC. And they had her for the final rapper. And her speech that she said oh my god I'm gonna choke up the speech that she said at the end was just kind of like reflecting on everyone and what they thought and she just said it and every every word she said was just so exactly what I was thinking and she just said these this I I didn't write everything down but the bit for me just kind of like made me choke up was she said I'm gonna try and say a royal community she said she made history she oh god she made history, she was history. Yeah. And we forget that in a thousand years' time, they'll still know her name and that's her legacy. And they'll know her, I hope, for words like Elizabeth the Great, Elizabeth the Beloved, because she was, she really, really was. And then the other thing that really got to me, Rach, gosh, as if like you've just gone through like a six hour <laughs> funeral and then you get the royal socials with that lovely oh. picture of Her Majesty. I'm guessing it was Balmoral looking yeah, was so Balmoral. healthy, so in an element. And then, oh my goodness, um, that Hamlet quote that the king mentioned in his speech, may flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. And I said, in loving memory of Her Majesty the Queen, 1926 to 2022. And I just... I I just I was yeah. gone. I just couldn't hold it any longer. We were we were physically tired through the lying in state process and the queue, but I was emotionally drained on that day. I just yeah. I've never slept so much in the last couple of days because I've just been so exhausted. And again, I'm left here on Thursday just thinking, but she's gone. I can't I just 
I and actually, do you know what? Do you know, like I was saying, I, I've been saying over the last two episodes about like the stages of grief. I was kind of in that bargaining stage where I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, like, can't we just like, I don't get it. Like, why, why does it have to be the king now? What? Like, <laughs> I was trying to bargain, like, and I was like, oh, this is my grief. It's fine. <laughs> I, so I feel like I'm going through it, and I think in the next say week or two, possibly might take me a month. No, probably about six years. Um, I will get to that <laughs> acceptance stage. I'm not at that yet. Raw community. I'm still raw. Like I feel just like me. Me just saying that about Kirsty Young saying that. Like it, I, I'm still really emotional about it. Yeah, I think as well. It's one of those things where we've seen members of the family this week. Today, as we're recording this, William and Catherine are in Windsor. Yeah. And um, thanking volunteers and people that were involved, you know, not just at St. George's Chapel, but people on the streets, down to the cleaners, the dustbin men, all the people that never get sung about, thanking those people. You've had Anne in Portsmouth meeting Navy personnel who was in Her Majesty's procession at the funeral. You've had Edward in Estonia meeting with soldiers so although they are still in their royal mourning because that's mm-hmm. seven days after the funeral these aren't official engagements as such but I think it's their way of saying thank you to the people they they know how much their mother grandmother great-grandmother was beloved but I think this week had you know even for them it's really hit home how important that she was not just to them but to us as yeah. people even the people that didn't know her yeah, she was an important part of our lives, and like you said, it will take a while to get over that, and for us to transition to King Charles and Queen Consort Camilla, it's going to take a while. It's still taking a while to get used to calling William Catherine Prince and Princess of Wales. I know, and I'm sure Royal Community, we're going to slip up so many times during yes. this. There's not enough words to explain or to give thanks to how amazing. But I tell you what, Rach. How incredible and how fortunate and how privileged are we to have celebrated the Jubilee with Her Majesty in June. Like it's incredible. Incredible. And I'm so happy that she had that experience. I'm so happy we had that experience. Yeah. And honestly, thank you so much to the Royal Community. You are amazing. We've had so many new people join the Royal Community over the months. And I just want to give a massive thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast. It's just a labor of love for Rachel and I. It's something that has been exhausting to keep up with hasn't it over the last two weeks especially and I feel like we need a good stiff gin and dubonnet that's what I think (laughs) (laughs) we don't even drink alcohol (sighs) we're gonna try one for her majesty one day we'll try one (laughs) yeah absolutely thank you so much for being here and just really supporting not just Rachel and I but everyone around you it's really important that we have a community that we can lean on during these times and yes the Queen's funeral has finished but we're still grieving and that is going to take some time so if you do need to speak to anyone please feel free to reach out to us our email is there keep it up with the windsors pod at gmail.com and obviously come over and say hi on instagram and youtube as well but it's amazing to have you honestly we are so thankful for every single person and also like we've had text messages saying i've just shared your podcast with my mum or my nan or like a person in work and we're like thank you yeah thank you so much it means everything to us honestly and like shell said like we've had so many new followers so if you're just joining us welcome thank you for being here if you've been with us from the beginning thank you from the bottom of our hearts we knew this day 
this week, this month would eventually come. But, you know, it's it's still hard, isn't it? And um, it is. we just have to move forward now and try and get on with our new king and queen and let's keep up with the Windsors. Yeah. So, Royal Community, if you want to join us, we're just going to say thank you, Mum, for everything at the end. And if you want to join us, you're more than welcome. But I think that will be our final final goodbye so see you next week and just for her majesty thank Thank you you, mom for everything. everything